Do you ever worry about anything? (laughs) Have you noticed how much anxiety there is in the world today? You remember years ago, people used to say, oh, to be a child again. You know, kids, they have it so easy, they don't have a care in the world. Well, I don't remember anyone saying that in recent years because the reality is there's an epidemic of anxiety among young people today. Why so much anxiety? What are we all so worried about? Well, I'm not sure I totally know the answer to that question, but I do know that it's having a big effect on all of us. There's a a very insightful Swedish proverb which says, worry often gives a small thing a big shadow. And, And that's how it feels, right? Worry, anxiety, they feel huge. They, they often make our troubles and our, feel, our, our fears bigger than they need to be and bigger than they actually are. They amplify things. There's that looming shadow of anxiety that, that has an effect on us. Corrie ten Boom, the famous Dutch woman who wrote The Hiding Place, once commented, Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worrying about our troubles can't make them go away. Maybe if the worry motivates us to do something, it will. But the worrying itself doesn't make our troubles go away. But worry can distract our focus and dampen our joy and deaden our courage. Well, today's psalm, Psalm 121, is a prayer about worry and anxiety. And and it helps us deal with our fears and our concerns and address them in our lives and in our hearts. Remember, we're looking at the, the Psalms of, of Ascent these, these uh, few Sundays, last Sunday, this Sunday, next Sunday. And, and these are prayers prayed or songs sung by the Jewish pilgrims as they made their way from their homes to the city of Jerusalem, the place of God's presence, where they would worship, where they would remember, where they would celebrate their God and all that their God meant to them and had done for them. And and here today, we, we have a song about the anxiety and the worry and the fear that we might feel along the journey to Jerusalem. Because this psalm comes from the days before highways and before cars. Today, we might think nothing of of driving for miles with no preparation, no protection. We just jump into our climate-controlled vehicles and we go. In fact, we're so used to this that in the winter, when there's threat of serious snow, Ann and I have to remind each other and remind our kids, bring your hat, bring your winter gloves, bring an extra blanket, because what if you get stuck? But back then, they had... They had no such need for a reminder. They were very aware of the travel and the, ha- sorry, the dangers and the hazards of travel. After all, they were very likely walking on rocky and rutted paths with no hotels to spend the night in, no drive throughs to grab lunch along the way or, or a grande frappuccino on a hot day. And there were dangers along the paths they walked. In the hills, there might be bandits or wild animals. The weather could be unpredictable. Imagine walking for miles in the sun in the summer. You could get heat stroke. You could get dehydration. And we also have to realize before the Enlightenment, humankind basically concluded that there's 
uh, sorry, before humankind, during the Enlightenment, concluded that um, everything has a natural cause. Before that, back in the time when this psalm was written, people believed in gods and spirits and spooks and haunts. And and even though the Bible taught the Israelites that, that much of that stuff wasn't true, many of them still believed it because everyone around them believed it. For example, people believed in being moonstruck. That the sun and the moon both had spiritual powers and the moon in particular had the power to make people a little crazy, a little bit psycho as the the song that's out right now might put it. A full moon, right? In fact, do you know where the words lunatic and lunacy come from? Lunar, right? The moon, having to do with the moon, struck crazy by the moon. That's what people believed at this time. And so when a group of pilgrims sets off on a trip to Jerusalem, they were stepping outside of their comfort zones. They were stepping outside of their place of safety. And they were prone to worry, prone to fear, and and to feeling vulnerable during this journey. And so they would sing and they would pray as they traveled. And this is what this psalm is here to help us do. It's a prayer for traveling the open road. And we can apply it not just to times of physical journey, but also to our metaphorical journeys when we step out of our safe places, our places that feel like home, our secure routines, and we face dangers and we face uncertainties and we face vulnerabilities. Let me give you a second right now to just think if you're facing a situation right now which is causing you to worry or to make you anxious. It feels vulnerable. It feels uncertain. Let me give you a second just to to think about that. While you're thinking, if, uh, if the people up in the sound room can hear me, could you turn on the stage lights? They probably can't hear me. All right, let's look at this psalm. It it begins with a question. Where does my help come from? Where does my help come from? It's a good question, right? If I'm feeling vulnerable and afraid and worried, where can I look for help? The psalmist begins, I lift my eyes to the hills, to the mountains. Remember, the hills are are a place where bandits may lurk along the way or wild animals. Now I can see my notes. (laughs) And uh, we, as we face potential danger and fear and insecurity, where does our help come from? Some interpreters also wonder, since the hills were places where at at that time the high places were, which were often shrines of of various religions to various gods, some scholars wonder whether the the hills or the mountains also represent various alternatives, religious alternatives we might look to for security and for help. So whatever the, the, the psalmist has in mind in thinking about the mountains or the hills, The psalmist is asking himself or herself, in light of the possible dangers and threats, and in light of all the places that people look for help and security, the psalmist is asking themselves, where does my help come from? And then he or she immediately answers with a confession of faith. 
My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. My help comes from the one who made the world that I'm journeying through. And so the sun above me is not a malevolent spiritual force to be worshipped like many peoples in the surrounding nations believed. No, God made the sun. My God made the sun. The moon, likewise, has no spiritual power. God created it. It simply serves God's purposes. God, my God, is the maker of heaven and earth. This is my Father's world, as the old hymn puts it. All that is around us and before us as we travel through is under God's control, and so it must do God's bidding. There are no malevolent forces which are outside of God's control. God, who has the power to make all that is around us, that God is our help. Now, a word about this word help. In Hebrew, it's the word ezer. And it means a source of strength, aid, and protection. Ezer is a strong word. And it's almost always used of God. God is our help when we're weak and vulnerable. It is used one other interesting place, and that is in the Garden of Eden when God says it is not good for man to be alone. And God says, I will make a woman to be a help for him. It's the same word, Ezer, a a source of strength, one who provides aid. It doesn't mean a maidservant or an assistant to do the menial tasks that you don't want to do. No, it means a strong and necessary support. Think of it this way. God looked at the man and said, you need help. (laughs) Let me provide you with a strong support who will bring you aid. That's what this word Ezer means. And in today's psalm, it's what God wants to be for us. God wants to be our Ezer. It's what the psalmist reminds him or herself that God is. When I'm anxious, when I'm afraid, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And that's the first half of the psalm, verses 1 and 2. The rest of the psalm, verses 3 to 8, then change their tone of address. From I and my, a personal reflection, a personal testimony, to addressing someone else, to you and your He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. And interpreters have wondered if there's a second voice here or or whether this is an internal conversation that the psalmist is having with him or herself. The psalmists do that sometimes. Well, considering that no pilgrim would ever walk alone to Jerusalem, that people always traveled in groups with their family, with their village, with their clan, I think there's a good chance there could be another voice here. And that this song is a call and a response. First person starts out, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And then the fellow travelers respond with what is really a blessing. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. In verses 3 to 8, they're unpacking, they're describing, they're elaborating on how God, our help, watches over vulnerable pilgrims. In fact, would you believe this word, watches over, is used six times in six verses. 
It doesn't come through in English because the translations don't always translate the Hebrew word the same time every way, but, or every time, the same way every time. <laughs> but the, uh, the, so the Hebrew word is translated sometimes watch over, sometimes keep, sometimes guard, sometimes protect, depending on your translation. But it's the same Hebrew word six times. He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over Israel. The Lord watches over you. The Lord will keep you. Same word. The Lord will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going. Six times. Watching. 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 The Lord is watching over you. The Lord will watch over you. Do you hear the encouragement, the blessing, the promise when we feel worried? The Lord is watching over us. Let's look at what this psalm encourages us to trust in, how the Lord is watching over us, um, and what the Lord will do for us, for those tempted to worry, for those tempted to be anxious. There's three things here, and they're keyed to three dangers or worries that a traveler might face at that time. So first, as we already saw, there's, there's the worry of, of the danger coming from the hills. What if there are bandits or wild animals in them that are hills ready to swoop down and ambush us? It happened. Don't worry, the psalm encourages us. The Lord is your help. He watches over you. And he won't fall asleep on the job, verse 3. People back then believed that the pagan gods did sleep. You, you had to wake them up. And if you needed their help and they were sleeping deeply and you couldn't make enough noise to wake them up, you were in big trouble. Don't worry, the psalm says. Verse 4, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He's always watching, always alert, always at the ready. Then second worry, there was the worry of, of injury or accident, mishap along the journey. Verse 3, the Lord will not let your foot slip. For the traveler who's walking back then, there, this was a serious danger. What if you sprained your ankle or you broke your ankle on a rugged part of the path because your foot slipped? You're, you're miles from home. There's no, there are no first responders. You can't continue, continue the journey. You're in serious trouble out there. Where are you going to find medical attention? Don't worry, the psalmist reminds us. God will watch over you. The Lord will not let your foot slip. And then third, third worry, as we've already seen in verse 6, sunstroke, dehydration, heat exhaustion by day, and being moonstruck at night. Don't worry, the psalmist reassures us. God watches over us. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Verse 5, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. Remember the Israelites in the desert, wandering through the wilderness, led through the desert by the reassuring presence of a pillar of cloud, by day, perhaps a shade from the hot desert sun as well, and guided, maybe even warmed by a pillar of fire at night. Again, that reassuring presence. 
And then finally, the psalmist concludes with with more general reassurance. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He who watches over your life. In verse 8, over your comings and your goings. Both as you head to Jerusalem for the festival and then as you come back again home afterwards. Both now and forevermore. What a blessing. What an assurance that, that this psalm gives to the pilgrims as they were traveling to Jerusalem. But here's the question for us when we're worried, when we're afraid. Is it true? Is this psalm true? Is it true that the Lord will keep us from all harm, both now and forevermore? Because doesn't it seem that harm does come to us sometimes? It did to King David, who likely didn't write this psalm, but who wrote many others, so that when we think about the psalms, we we think about, you know, the shepherd David and his harp. David faced trouble. Before he was king himself, King Saul, David's father-in-law, threw a spear at him a couple times, trying to pin him to the wall. And so David had to flee for his life. He became a refugee, living in caves, and rocky hideouts while Saul tried to hunt him down to kill him? How can we say the Lord will keep us from all harm if even David went through this? Well, here I think is the answer. And it's expressed very well by another psalm, one that actually is attributed to David and was written in the midst of David's trials and difficulties. It's uh, Psalm 34. Listen to verse 19 where David says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Did you hear that? The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. This is the tension and and it's the full reality of walking with God that on the one hand, even the righteous person may have many troubles. David did, Moses did, the Apostle Paul did, everyone does. But on the other hand, the Lord delivers us from them all. The Lord delivered David. The Lord did it for Moses. The Lord did it for Paul. The Lord will do it for us. And so we're reminded again, as we were last week, that it's not that God protects us from every trouble, but rather that God protects us through every trouble. It's not that troubles never come our way. It's that God watches over us as we go through them. And God is our help in them to bring us through in time to the other side. As I said last Sunday, if we we never had any troubles, God wouldn't be our helper or our deliverer or our rescuer as far as we could tell. There'd be no need for one that we were aware of at least. We'd we, we wouldn't have any testimonies to share, uh, any gratitude to express or to celebrate. We just live in a bubble, oblivious to the trouble outside. And God could have made our life that way, but God hasn't for God's own mysterious and no doubt wise reasons, and, which certainly have something to do likely with, with building our faith and our character. And so we do face trials and we do face difficulties and we do face dangers. But here's the promise. Through each one, God will be our help. God will be watching over us. 
And God will deliver us from each one in the end. That's the encouragement for the pilgrim in this psalm and for us when we're tempted to worry. God is with us, always wakeful, watching over us like a shade over us. As we go through danger and uncertainty and trouble, God will bring us through. Why? Because God is our helper, our ezer, our strong help. The Lord is always watching over us. In every danger, God is watching over us. Let me close with it with a story of a time that I experienced this and the tension between going through the trouble and yet experiencing God's help. We were living in British Columbia and a couple of friends invited me to go hunting with them to a trip up to, uh, one of them had, a, had parents, they had a cabin out in the wild country of British Columbia and there were moose and there were mule deer there and, and we were going to go on this great trip for several days. And so, so we did and, and one of the t- days we were up there, we, we tried this remote spot that we were going to hunt and it was so remote that our friend's dad had to guide us in with his four by four up this narrow, windy road, which were just a couple of tire tracks through the woods. And we followed in, in our friend's uh, pickup up the side of the mountain, past an abandoned mine into the middle of nowhere. And we parked near where the road ended while my friend's dad turned around, wished us well, and left. These are the days before cell phones, before GPSs. And so, meanwhile, we're getting ready to hike in where we're, we're going to hunt. And um, because we'd never been there, we weren't stupid. So we tried to carefully note where we were and where we were going and what landmarks we could use to find our way back to the truck in the evening, since there, were, there wasn't even a path to follow. We noticed some ribbon markers on some trees. Obviously, some loggers had been in there. There was an old rusted barbed wire fence as well, which became our main point of reference. And, and so we picked our spot to hunt, and uh, we spent a mild fall day sitting in the woods. We didn't see anything, except actually just before dark, a pack of coyotes that came through uh, toward evening, totally yelping and howling. And if you've ever heard a bunch of coyotes yelp, you know that's an eerie sound. Well, once the sun was down, we quickly headed back for the truck, because we knew we only had so much time to find our way back before dark. And we found our our old barbed wire fence, and we followed it. And then to save time, we we took a shortcut to where we thought the tree ribbons were. And that was our big mistake. (laughs) It turned out there were several sets of trees marked by ribbons, evidently, and I'm not sure that we ever found the right one. We soon realized we were lost. And meanwhile, it's getting darker and it's getting darker, and we're very quickly getting frantic. So we're jogging through the woods in the direction that we thought the the truck probably was. And and some things kind of looked familiar. We thought we'd seen them before, but we weren't sure where. And um, after going for a ways and finding no helpful landmarks, we think, wow, we've overshot the truck. And so we we head back to where we think we had been. And and we're, we're kind of wandering around. And other things are looking familiar, but it's because we'd passed them a few minutes before right? It's like a Gilligan's Island or something here going on. So we're pretty lost. And and by now it's almost pitch black in the woods. And we realize we're probably going to have to camp out for the night. So, um, you know, our minds are spinning with, okay, what's, what's the danger assessment here? It's getting quite cold. We knew from the morning that it could drop below freezing overnight up in the mountains in the early fall. And, uh, 
since it had been a warm afternoon, our coats and our gloves are in the truck. And um, it's, our water's in the truck, our food is in the truck, our flashlights are in the truck. Um, all we had with us was our guns. At least those would protect us against the coyotes, right? Well, thankfully, one, one of the guys also had a survival packet, a, a little belt packet. It contained a small flashlight, a few matches, a couple foil emergency blankets, which I guess we would have to thumb wrestle each other for since there weren't enough. And, and so I'm starting to look around for a good place to build a fire, and I'm wondering how big of a fire we can build and if it's going to keep us warm enough that we don't have to worry about hypothermia overnight. And then we remembered the old saying, all we can do now is pray. So before we start the fire, it, it's a bad saying, right? But too often it's true. So before we start the fire, we pray. It wasn't a long prayer. It wasn't a fancy prayer. It was just basically, God, we're lost. And if you don't do something, it's going to be a long, cold, maybe even dangerous night. And after we're done, one of the guys says, hey, before we give up, let's just walk about 30 yards in that direction. I just have a hunch. I might be crazy, but, and if we don't find anything, we'll come back here and we'll try to start a fire. So we jog off, and after 10 yards, he's ahead. He goes, yes! And we're like, what? He had found a stick that we didn't know. On our way in in the morning, he had laid alongside of a tree as a marker. And in another 10 yards, we had found the end of the road, and in a moment, we were back at our truck, which had never looked so beautiful. <laughs> And so we stopped again. We offered God a, a, a prayer of thanks. God, thank you so much for getting us out. That was really close. We could have never done it without you. We are so glad we're safe. We're going to eat tonight. We're going to get to sleep in warm beds. So you can see there, God didn't totally save us from the trouble, but God did save us through it. And if we had had to make a fire out in the woods that night, God could have saved us through the night as well. So as we closed, or as we close, uh, what are you worried about? What's making you anxious? Our help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. He watches over us, over our coming and our going both now and forevermore. So, what is God saying to you this morning? I want to give you a moment to, to reflect silently where you are about that. In what way do you need to trust God to be your help, to watch over you? Maybe you need him to steady your feet so that you don't slip. Maybe you need God to make your steps sure. Or maybe you need him watching over you, always wakeful and watchful, never distracted, never asleep, watching you. Or maybe you need a shade to protect you in God's shadow, to shelter you. Take a minute and uh, I invite you just to listen for what God is saying to you. And then we'll close in prayer by praying this psalm again.
as I pray this psalm, I want to invite you to make it your own in whatever way you want to respond to God this morning. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Amen.